Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Ultimately, I'm going to keep saying it. Get 1% better every day. Just get a little bit better every day. Welcome back to 1% Better, even though it feels like the Colts are maybe 15 to 20% worse after that game. This is Zach Kiefer with James Boyd, who is back from Jacksonville. The Colts were embarrassed yesterday. There's no other way to put it. 24 to 0. You guys know what happened. You guys watched the game. They're 0 1 and 1. This feels like a low point in the Frank Reich era. There's some calls for his head. This team is terrible on offense, terrible on defense. James, welcome to the Colts beat. Welcome to the Jacksonville game. This is a yearly occurrence where they go down there and don't show up. What was the vibe like in the stadium and in the locker room yesterday as the Colts took this one on the chin? Let's start in the locker room because obviously the vibe in the stadium, unless you were a Jaguars fan, was awful. They love it when the Colts come down. Yeah. It's a it's like a yearly celebration. It's basically like your big brother just beating you down. That's that's what it feels like. It's like you might be able to beat somebody else, but I know all your tricks and stuff, so I just know what you're going to do. And to me, after Matt Ryan's first interception, it just never felt like the Colts recovered. And in the locker room after the game, it was like church. You know, you're walking in there. It felt like people were praying or something because it was so quiet. It was so mundane. And I can imagine that's probably what it was like, you know, way back when in January when the season ended. So I just remember walking in and I'm thinking of the words that Shaquille Leonard said back then. And he's like, let this burn in our hearts. Obviously, it didn't. And I'm looking at him and obviously he's not available for media. I would love to get his thoughts on yesterday's performance. But he's sitting there and he's quiet. Everyone's quiet. And I'm going back to listen to my audio of just me asking questions. And even I'm quiet and asking the questions. It was just a really weird environment. And again, my column, I know you and Bob did a great job of ripping the team, which they deserved. But my thing was just why? No one could give me a clear answer why. We just talked to Frank Reich a few minutes ago today still could not get a clear answer why. Like, I don't want to hear anything. For the listeners out there, we just got off a Monday morning, Monday afternoon conference call with Frank Reich. We do this every week at four o'clock to wrap up the game. I didn't hear a single answer that, that helped me understand why this team played so poorly yesterday. I don't know if you heard anything yesterday. And I know that Ryan Kelly said we got our ass kicked, and he's right. And I know DeForest Buckner said this can't be okay, and he's right. But, but this is part of the problem right now is – I'm not saying that they're accepting this and they're they're tolerating this, but there's no real person standing up and saying, like, what is wrong? That's an issue. Like Frank saying that, like, yeah, it wasn't our best day on the offensive line, but we had some good snaps. You know, our wide receivers, they weren't terrible, but like, you know, we had some nice catches. No, no, nothing was good yesterday. Like nothing, nothing this football team did was good. And that starts with the coaching. And that's the issue right now. And I wrote that this is a poorly constructed team. And it's a poorly coached team. And I asked Frank Reich today, point blank, the last three games, going back to Jacksonville last year, 
you have entered the fourth quarter down a combined 70 to 6. 70 to 6 in football. And you had seven Pro Bowlers last year, and these are the Texans and the Jaguars we're talking about. So there really seems like either they're aloof or they're not addressing the issues at hand, or they just seem that they're close. Like you just mentioned before we got on the air, like Frank Reich said, we're not that far off. I completely disagree, Frank, because I see a really bad football team right now. I know that there's this notion to always be positive or find some silver lining if you're the coach of any team. There was There's no silver lining. There was none. I was there. Honestly, I was just thinking to myself after watching probably the first half, just in high school sports, they have the mercy rule where if you're like down by so many points, you just get the running clock going in the second half and get out of there early. That's kind of what I was thinking should have been implemented yesterday. I mean, that is shameful. Like, there's this is a team that should be winning the division this year. It was it was flat out pathetic. And he said it was pathetic, but I asked him, I was like, hey, what's what's going on with this team? Like, why is it, you know, why is this the case? I asked, you know, you brought in Matt Ryan, you brought in Stefan Gilmore, you brought in some other guys. Why does it feel the same as it does eight months ago? And he didn't answer the question. That is at the heart of all of yeah, this. Yeah, he just says. You know, we're all one and one and I'm paraphrasing now. It's like, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll take our medicine, we'll take our lumps and we'll figure it out. And then the most interesting thing he said to me, uh, not specifically to me, but just in my opinion, yesterday and today, double down, it was like the gap from where they were yesterday and where they need to be is not that far to me. I don't agree is, with that. I don't agree with that. It is an ocean right now. Are you kidding me? Like nothing looked good. And I understand that Michael Pittman Jr. was out. I understand that Shaquille Leonard was out, but to come out and look that awful, that pathetic, knowing that was the place where your season ended last year. And don't give me none of the, uh, you know, respect Kenny Moore, respect what he does on the field. But him saying after the game, you know, today had nothing to do with last year. That's not, that's true not true at all. That's not that's true. That's not true at all. If there's something down there in the water. Yes. And this team hasn't figured it out. It's a mental hurdle. And that's a sign of weakness that this team can't figure out how to beat. What is perpetually a bad football team? But even be competitive, Zach. That's the part where I'm like, if you lose on a last-second field goal or you're in the game and someone makes That's a, a totally different story. Right, but it's like you absolutely had no chance. You got dominated in every phase of the game. Trevor Lawrence looked like he was in paradise while Matt Ryan was running for his life the entire game. So to me, it looked like what on paper, the, like it was flip-flopped. This is what the Colts should have looked like, but that's how ja the Jaguars performed. How the Colts performed is how Jag the Jaguars – I mean, this is the team that's had like top five picks for the last three or four years. This is what I wrote. I said, we need to stop thinking of the Indianapolis Colts as the team that we think they will be. And we need to start thinking of the Indianapolis Colts as the team that they are. Two games in, they're a bad football team with a bad offensive line, a bad defensive line, a defensive unit that has no identity whatsoever. You talk to Kenny Moore. Kenny Moore hasn't done anything in four games, going back to the, the Raiders game last year. He's a pro bowler, and he hasn't done anything. And that Christian Kirk touchdown on the first drive was, was abysmal defense. And I don't want to excuse the loss of Shaquille Leonard, but my God, do they need Shaquille Leonard back in the worst way. Yes, they need um, some energy. Nobody on defense has made a play. They didn't have a single sack yesterday. Doug Peterson and Press Taylor, Press Taylor, who was here last year as an offensive assistant, ran circles around Gus Bradley yesterday. And that's a problem. And I haven't even got to the offensive line 
which was trash yesterday, and all of them are guilty. I watched the tape today. I did it. I did it. So all of you didn't have to do it. That was my sacrifice. Oh gosh. It was worse than watching the game. I'll say that. Stunts, twist, speed off the edge. They looked like they were completely unprepared for what Jacksonville was going to do. When that offensive line is not moving, is not playing well, this team doesn't have a chance. You have a 37-year-old quarterback who looks like a 47-year-old quarterback. You have nothing at wide receiver, and that's on the GM. And they only got Naheem Hines involved a little bit, and then he disappeared. Taylor had four yards at the break. It was a perfect storm of bad coaching and bad football. Are we going to see better football on Sunday? Like, what tells you this defense has a shot, has a prayer against Patrick Mahomes? I'll say no. And I, this is the other thing. A few things that I've heard throughout the locker room yesterday, and Naheem Hines said this. He's like, you know, it's week two. We've been in this position before. We can turn it around. We were one and four or one and five, whatever. Yeah, he's right. They can. We're not getting like the answers. Like it, it doesn't it doesn't feel like they realize how bad this is. And I think that's frustrating for us because we're trying to get real answers and the fans want to hear what the hell's going on. And we got nothing. Yeah, I think the biggest thing for me was you can't pick and choose when you want to lean on years past and not lean on years past. Like you can't lean on it when it's positive and then, oh, it doesn't matter when it's, it, it was a bad situation. So that's the part that irritated me the most because it feels like you're just finding whatever answer you can to weasel your way out of just owning how awful things have been. I get that it's early, it's your two games in, but to me, to not have a win after playing Jacksonville and Houston that does not convince me that you're a playoff team because it does not get easier from here. And honestly, the teams that you faced already probably feel more confident going to those next games when they face you again. So it was weird, man. Like you're walking around that locker room and I swear to you, you could probably just hear someone breathing because it was so quiet. So, I mean, the loudest thing in the locker room yesterday was when Matt Ryan, I think, FaceTimes his sons after the game and they were trying to show him something and he's, you know, in dad mode, cool moment. But I was thinking that's the, that's the most exciting thing that happened in there. The most light, no, no one even like fired up like the Forrest Buckner saying, you know, we got our butt kicked. And I, I asked him like everyone else, why? And he's just looking flabbergasted. I, man, you know, it's just, we have to, you know, then you get, and then to me, my goal in every sports story, but especially yesterday, it was like, I'm not going to put any of these cliches in here. All that we're gonna bounce back and one week at a time, one and oh empty words. I don't want to hear any of that one percent better. I don't think the fans want to hear it either. They oh don't deserve that. Gosh. They here deserve answers. And we haven't gotten any and we've been trying. No, and, and and my lead to my story yesterday, which I've gotten a few funny comments on it. My lead was literally, there's no reason to beat a dead horse. The Jaguars have already done that. There was a moment in the third quarter where the game was already over. I think it was 24-0. And the Colts are basically just trying to score to save face in a sense. And Jacksonville's defense was dancing after this timeout, hands up in the air, dancing around the field. Of course field. they were. They deserved to. And I was thinking to myself, like, they're literally dancing on your grave. And there's nothing the you can do yeah. about it. There's nothing you could do about it. There was no instance in that game where I thought that they were going to win. And then the one time they did, they did have a chance to score – I think, you know, Matt Ryan zipped one to Colin Grant and he gets down to two yard line. Paris Campbell, who had no impact, had an impact on that play because he got offensive P.I. 
and they brought that back. They got down to the red zone, Zach, and they literally started going backwards. I think when the final play or something like that, it ended up being like third and 20 or something. They had got to the, the red zone. They had got to the goal line, you know, and I'm thinking to myself, this is an unserious football team. And that's my word. You know, that's like my inside joke. with, with Let me know when they get serious. Let me know. And, it was a week six. I mean, it was just certain instances, even like they were down 17-0. EJ Speed makes a play in the backfield. He stands over a running back or something. It's like, you're down 17-0, man. Like, Ashton Doolin, he, he catches the 39-yard pass in garbage time, cleanup crew time, and gets up and points for the first down. And it's like, where's the self-awareness with this team? I think you're hitting at something that's important, and I think this is a leadership issue. And I don't mean to excuse Chris Ballard and Frank Reich, and I've talked about them a lot in my story. Ballard is really stubborn with these wide receivers, man, and it's hurting his team right now. That's point blank, period. Everybody knows out there the issues. We've asked about this 100 times going back to February Frank Reich hasn't had his team ready to go in three, four consecutive games, period. We, we can talk about the coaching. The coaching's been terrible. The play calling has been terrible. They said today that, you know, they, they thought Michael Pittman was going to go and they thought Pierce was going to go. They found out Pierce wasn't going to play Friday and Pittman was out Saturday. So they didn't really have enough time to change up. That's not good enough. Like, that's not good enough in this league. That happens. It happens every week to a team where you don't have a guy you expect to have. And they looked like a shell of themselves without Pittman. And you wrote last week that they need somebody to step up besides Pittman and Taylor. And when when you're down in the game and you can't run the ball like you want to, there's nowhere to go. And they have a huge liability at tight end. And I wrote about that and I talked about that for, for months. But going back to the original point, the players. Let's not excuse the players. There's a leadership problem on this team right now. And it's very obvious. They don't have answers on why they didn't play well yesterday in Jacksonville after they did the same damn thing eight months ago with the playoff berth on the line. And I'm talking about Buckner. I'm talking about Nelson. I'm talking about Kelly. I'm talking about Matt Ryan, who didn't do a damn thing yesterday. And I'm talking about the defense as well. I mean, they, they are there's a void of leadership on this team. It's very evident. It's in what they say and what they don't say. And it's what they put on the field. It's it's. It's, it's an embarrassment, and that needs to go to the top, and Jim Mercy needs to do something about it. You know, we did some good things. We did some bad things. We'll get better. We'll get off the mat. That's not good enough. That, what I've heard after this game, both today and yesterday, has been a far cry from the severity of this, of this situation. And let's, you know, look at the opposite side of this from the management and coaching standpoint. They have to bear some line because we talked about this. I will go back and find the tape. I was like, Zach? They're banking on a lot of guys who have not proven it to prove it all at the same time. And you're like, hey, James, welcome to the NFL where conflict happened. Things go wrong. Everything has gone wrong. And these, you know, wide receiver room, the tight end room, the offensive line, these are all. Did we talk about Matt Pryor in the offseason? Did we talk about how we weren't sure if he was going to. I'm not I'm not a football expert, but I'm not an idiot. I spoke to him yesterday. I talked to Matt Pryor and I flat out asked him, hey. Do you think like your job's secure on the left on the left tackle spot? And he's like, I don't know, man. We'll see. There's a lot of there's a there's a handful of plays I'd like to have back. And I think both he and I know something is going to change if you do not do better. I, the entire offensive line did not play well, but quite honestly, he just cannot keep up with speed at all. If no. there's anybody no. on the edge with an ounce of speed, they're gonna win that matchup. Almost every time. It's not just Pryor. Pryor was bad, but Pinter was bad. Pinter was my other question mark. I didn't think he had a good camp. I don't think he's a very good guard. He's better as a backup center, but they're playing him at guard because they like him. He's not very good. 
Kelly got beat. Nelson got beat. Your $100 million guard got beat several times. And Braden Smith, your $70 million right tackle. They have paid three of those guys in the offensive line. They're paying that unit $42 million this year in salary cap space. That's the most of any offensive line in the league. And they got their asses handed to them yesterday by a Jacksonville team that probably wins four or five games. Maybe they have a good season, but that's a huge red flag. That's a huge red flag. And when that unit's not humming, I don't know what 28 can do. Like, I don't know what Taylor can do. He ran right into the guy late in the game yesterday, and it almost seemed like Taylor was just like, F you to everyone because he couldn't take over. But this is a deeply flawed roster. That's on Ballard. It's very poorly coached. Two games in, that's on Reich. And the players don't seem to understand the severity of what's going on. There's There seems to be very little accountability. And it's just this perfect storm right now. And I just tweeted this yesterday. This is just bad football. Like there's just no, it's no, there's no secret. There's just, they're just getting whooped. Yeah. Jonathan Taylor is the nicest guy ever. And I asked him the same question I asked everyone else. Why does this keep happening? Why, what is going on? And in true Jonathan Taylor fashion, he just looks at me and he goes, it was an egregious performance. And that's about as mean as Jonathan Taylor will get. Nice guy, never going to throw anyone on the bus, never going to – I won't say he wasn't upset, but you know how it is. He doesn't show things a lot. I think he internalizes a lot of how he feels because I don't think he can play football at the level he does if you don't care deeply about it. But in, just in his classy way, he's like – egregious for him is like what Buckner said about getting their butt kicked in the, in, in the same vein. Like that's the equivalent of JT. That's the problem, though, when your best players are running back. As good as JT is, and he's as good as anybody in the league, you can neutralize him. When the offensive line doesn't doesn't have Zach, any push. He had that's the five problem. carries at halftime for four yards. We're talking about a guy that had 1,800 yards last year, and this is what we predicted. The moment you face a team that's more talented than the Texans and they stack the box, you're not going to be able to depend on him to, you know, carry you to victory now granted obviously the game that he went off in the season opener Pitt was in there but I mean if this is what it looks like and another tangent everyone had the Bay Megatron quote from Reggie Wayne Reggie Wayne's not doing a great job did not see Bay Megatron anywhere in that game I don't know if Mike Strong might have had maybe a catch or a target or something but it was not very it was not three targets, one catch. The the disappointment for me was Paris Campbell. This was an opportunity for him. Would you agree? Absolutely. Like this was a huge opportunity. I had some writers from, you know, from the Jaguars beat come over and ask like, hey, you know, with Pitt out, who's someone who's expected to get more targets? And I'm like, Paris Campbell. Yeah, you didn't look very smart after the game. <laughs> I, but, but, but credit to me. Or maybe not credit to me. And none of them look good throughout the game. So I could have said anyone. No. And I know on paper it says like, you know, Doolin had 70 plus yards or something. 39 of them came on a catch where the game was over and it didn't matter. Like Doolin was the only one that showed yeah. up. I'll say oh, that. Yeah. yeah. I'll say okay. that. I'll be Mr. Positive. I wanted to see them get Hines more involved. Patman had the third Patman down drop. That third down drop. That dude, you don't get a lot of opportunities, and when you get one, you drop an open third down catch that could have changed the first. I don't want to go further than that, but it might have changed the first quarter. Strong did nothing. They got no tight ends. But even there, you can talk about top to bottom. There's defensive secondary. Julian Blackman has a chance to make a play, make a pick. It was a great breakup. It was, but there were two of those. There were two of those. It wasn't right. just and yeah. they didn't get them when Jacksonville had their chances to 
to get some interceptions, get some turnovers. They made those plays. And in this league, more than any other stat, turnovers usually decide who wins and who loses. So Colts were second in the league with 33 turnovers last year. I don't know where that is this year. So it, it got nothing. Nothing. Zach, so honestly, just felt like you're going down there and you're leaving as a shell of what you were supposed to be. Like all of the hype. And I get that we're going to get criticism as writers. You know, you said this would be better. You said this would be different. You said yada, yada, yada. And that's what we saw. But it's like, as soon as the, and that's why you play the games, as soon as the games came, all of that talk about being different, feeling inspired, feeling, you know, maybe embarrassed about what happened last year. Yesterday was worse. It was worse. You were supposed to have learned your lesson. You come out there and you score as many points as you, Zach, and you were hundreds of miles away. That's always my thing when no one scores in a, in a sports sporting event. You scored as many points as me in the press box. That is ridiculous. So, I mean, here's how bad it was. And I was thinking about this last night before I went to bed because you know how it is when you get done writing, you're like wired and you can't really you know go right to sleep, at least if you care about what you do. We, we care a lot. So I'm just going through stats and numbers and watching some highlights on ESPN. And it dawned on me. I'm like, wait a second. We talked for a week about the kicker, the new kicker, kicking competition. How much? How much hey, kicking, the kickoffs were good yesterday. How much kicking matters? Chase McLaughlin took the field once. The kickoff after halftime, that's all we saw. We didn't even see the guy. I remember tweeting oh out God. in warm-ups like, hey, he kicked a 45-yard. He kicked this, whatever, whatever. And everyone's freaking out. Oh, we got a kicker. Can you do it in the game? We'll see. We don't even know if that situation is solved. That's a good point. It's not. It's not. You don't solve that problem in September. Would you have liked for Chase McLaughlin to get some kicks in yesterday before he has to kick against the Chiefs? Imagine you're, you're putting him out there, first game, season opener, and he hasn't even kicked for your team yet in a real game. So it was just a really weird thing. I'm like, the, the fact that your kicker was on the field one more time than me in the press box is insane. So it was weird. We did wait around for Jim Irsay to see if he would – say anything or anything no he just you know made that beeline and i think that was probably the right decision but man i would have loved to be a fly on the wall wherever he was watching that game because he wasn't happy he had to I reached be out to a couple of people he wasn't happy yeah, obviously yeah. he shouldn't no, be happy. no way no way let's hit on ursa for a minute because i think this is a fair question a lot of people want frank reich out right now i don't see that happening i'm just being objective here knowing what i know Jim Mercer signed these guys to extensions through 2026. Now, that doesn't mean they're going to coach and, and Chris is going to be the GM through 2026. But Jim Ursay has never fired a coach midseason. It's week two. They've been terrible. That's not removing the fact that they've been terrible. I don't foresee a move unless it gets just out of the realm of possibility. We're talking one and six or one and seven. There's no obvious candidate on this staff to take over. You don't give it to Gus Bradley, even though he's been a head coach, because his defense has been abysmal. And who would call plays? A lot of people are pining for Marcus Brady to call plays. Marcus Brady's never called plays in the NFL. You don't know if Marcus Brady's good. A lot of people think he would be good. But what tells you that they're good based on this offense right now? And, and like nobody deserves the shot. John Fox is another former head coach. But he's an advisor right now. He's, he's, that would be a huge step. I don't see that either. So for now, I'm just telling you what I think. Jim Mercer is not firing Frank Reich or Chris Ballard right now. It's not happening. Now, at the end of the season, if they really, really hit the skids, that's going to be a conversation they're going to have to have. But I don't think that needs to be a relevant conversation right now. But I will throw this at you, James. Okay, they're 0-1-1. One of the best teams in the league is coming into town on Sunday for the home opener. 
fans are pissed off as they should be. The players, I don't know where they're at after the conversations we had the last couple of days. What can they do to fix this? Like li- literally, what can they do to be better at football? Because they need, this is what they're going to do all week. And, and what, I'm asking you this because nothing they say matters until Sunday. I don't care what they say at the podium on Wednesday or in the locker room. I don't care what Jim Mercer does in front of his private jet with his with his phone and says we need to fight. Like I, nothing they say matters. They said they were going to be cleaning up the mistakes from Houston. They said they were going to be ready to go in Jacksonville, and they pissed down their leg again. What needs to change? Like schematically, like fundamentally, do they need to make a change at left tackle? Do they need to move Jonathan Taylor to wide receiver? <laughs> like what the hell's wrong? How long is your list? It's, it's pretty long, man. How much time you got? But. There has to be a level of urgency to start the game. It just seems like I heard there was a level of urgency last week. I kept that's hearing the part that. where I don't I don't understand how to fix that. I'm not a coach. I don't I don't know how you scheme that up or or is it it's something that you have to have internally, but the way they've started has just been weird. Horrendous. I'm like it's like, okay, I'm gonna let you punch me a few times and then I'll wake up. And it seems so promising. After, like, the first play to Naheem Hines, I think it was a 19-yard catch. They got a few. Doolin had a first down right. catch. And then the pick happens and the wheels fall off. But Cannot make that throw. Matt Ryan has got to know better. Yeah, and he, he elaborated on it. It was like He was like, yeah, some, some one, it was a bad throw. He didn't think the safety was back there. He thought Doolin was running to the sideline by himself. Then, but he also said, like, I think there was some miscommunication on the route as well. So, but again, this is what happens when you didn't go out and get a receiver that is more proven or has more experience or maybe knows to do things a different way. But that's not on Ashton, in my opinion. You throw it off your back foot into a crowd. No, it's on the quarterback. It was it's on just the a terrible throw. The other two, the one that was tipped, it's like he got so much pressure in his face the entire game. That's on Pinter. That's Understand on Pinter, it, man. He got pushed back. And in the last one, he just got drilled in his chest while he was trying to throw it to the outside and was overthrown. And the game was over at that point anyway, not saying it, it should matter. You don't turn the ball over. But at that point, who cares? It was, it was over. But, Zach, I have no idea where that team starts. <laughs> I know that sounds crazy, but I'm not in there every day. Like, I don't even know where to start, what, what to fix, how to fix it, because everyone is telling me that, We'll get right. We've been here before, or we all just got to look in the mirror. I don't want to hear any of that mirror stuff. We look at ourselves in the mirror every day when we wake up, brush our teeth, whatever. Either look longer or stop looking or something, because, I mean, I was just disgusted yesterday. I understand that fans are frustrated, and they should be. Do I have any confidence in this team to beat Kansas City? Absolutely not. But to me, I think – you got to show something. Otherwise, I think you, you, you're you on the verge of possibly like losing your locker room, dude. Like That didn't feel connected. That did not feel like they were together. Yeah, that's a problem. Because in the, in the years past, it felt like they were. They've been down this road before too many times with one and five to the playoffs and, and one and four last year and then to the brink of the playoffs. But for me, from a schematic standpoint, watching the tape today, and I, and I did watch the tape and it was very bad. It's the point of attack. It's, it's the trenches. The Colts like to pride themselves in being a physical football team and winning up front. They have been manhandled at times the last couple games, and that's a problem. And I mean offensive line, and I mean defensive line. Those guys have to win up front. Your quarterback is not going to win games when he's under duress the whole time. He's not that kind of quarterback. You don't have a Rodgers or a Mahomes or a Trey Lance or whoever. And the defensive line, zero sacks yesterday on Lawrence. The fact that Press Taylor 
and Doug Peterson and Trevor Lawrence were able to just beat you simply by throwing the ball quickly is a huge problem for this defensive line. And the secondary wasn't any better. But I think if the Colts are going to get back to any sort of identity that they lost, they need to do it with the defensive line and the offensive line. We'll see if they got the dudes to do it. The caveat is they need Michael Pittman back. There is no plan B. There is no next man up. Screw all that. I don't want to hear it. There is nobody that can step up in this receiver room and do it without Pittman. Pittman's the only dog they have. He's the only dog they have on that offense besides Taylor. Taylor can be neutralized. We've seen that. Pittman's the only guy that's going to stand up and do something about it. And if he doesn't play, which we think he will, Frank Reich thinks it'll be a one-game absence. But again, that goes back to the liability you have at the position. But um, I think it starts with the O-line and D-line, and I think you'll be able to tell very early on Sunday against the Chiefs if they're for real. Do they win? That's a tough task. I don't, I don't see that happening. No, I'll leave you with this. I hear everything you're saying about winning in the trenches. They have to be better. But I think it comes down to, do you just have enough dudes to do it? Do you think they do? No, I don't. I think that they can be better, but not to the extent where they would really change much. I think that they were very like handicapped without Michael Pittman Jr. But you're asking six, seven guys to, to be better all at once I just don't see that happening and my thing is like at what point do you accept what you are like it's a small sample size two games but I do think Kansas City will be a loss the following week I think was that Tennessee I think that will basically in my opinion decide where this team is for me probably for the rest of the season like after that after that fourth game you're a quarter of the way through give or take that's who you are. Tennessee plays tonight against the Bills. That's probably a loss for the Titans, but it seems like a game the Titans just win because that's what they do. They win these weird games after losing to the Giants last week. But that's a good point. If the Colts lose to Kansas City on Sunday and then they lose to the Titans at home, that's when the season could spiral. That's when the season could really, really spiral out of control because that's a game that's very important to Jim Mercer. Because of the division, because it's at home, because they haven't beaten the Titans the last couple of years. And and that's when this could go sideways. We'll see. Now watch they come out and and beat the the the, the Chiefs, and I'm gonna have everyone telling me, we'll see what happens and what like that's that's football. That's kind of why hey, that's I, the fun I love part it of the and job, enjoy right? it. Yeah. That's the fun part of the job. You don't know what's gonna yeah, happen, but but my goodness. They ain't beating the Chiefs if they play anywhere near what they did yesterday. Nowhere near they will be embarrassed. They will be booed and they should if if they play like that. We'll see. It doesn't matter. And like I said, it doesn't matter what they say this week. I, I, don't, I don't care. I don't care. I don't care what I hear. The only way to say anything is to come out and play better against the Chiefs on Sunday. And then they have a lot to figure out. It's not just one thing. And that's the problem. They need, they have a lot to figure out. A lot to think about on that flight back from Jacksonville. So the uh, last thing I'll say, Ag Zaire Franklin, I was like, hey, uh, has this team taken a step forward? Do you feel like this team has taken a step forward since you were here last, last year or last season? And he's like, it's a prove it league. Like we could talk about it, but we have to go out there and prove it. Like, I think we have the guys to do it, but we have to prove it because I'm paraphrasing. He's like, nobody cares. Yeah, And that's what I was thinking. I was like, you know what? I don't care about any of the woe is me, any of the new quarterback, new schemes, new whatever. I don't care. No one cares. You have to be better than that. So personally, 
I think they take a step back from last season. Obviously, they have, I think they have a better personnel. And again, it's early. But you cannot tell me that they did not slip yesterday with the way they performed, to not score any points, and to kind of not – I get the whole curse thing, but to the three shutouts against that team, you had that crazy stat where it was like over 300 games or something. And, and they've only been shut out by the Jaguars, which is just insane. So we'll see. And then, you know, Naheem's saying, hey, if we get on the streak and we get hot, we, we can get rolling. But I'm like, you no, guys are ice, no. ice, they ice cold. We don't get to talk about streak right now. So, the only streak that's going on is their – Well, I have my streak of weird Colts games going. So I guess I'm 2-0 and in that department. So we'll see. I will leave you with this. Both things can be true. They deserve all – all the criticism and all the blame and all the negativity surrounding them right now. They do. They have played absolutely piss poor football the first two weeks. They were lucky to get out of Houston with a loss. I don't need to explain how bad yesterday was. That being said, it's only two games. This team has been in bigger holes before. I know they have a tough stretch. It's early. Let's see if they can fix some things. Um, But they have a lot to fix. And the coaching has been abysmal. And the roster management so far has been abysmal and it's bitten them. It's bitten them in the ass and we'll see what they do. But when you get the schedule in May and you think, oh, Houston and Jacksonville to start, they could be 2-0 and facing the Chiefs, you know, to start the home schedule. 0-1-1. Oh, one one. Who had that on their bingo card? Like not in a million years that I think they would be 0-1-1. Oh, one one. But here we are. Unbelievable. This team never seems to disappoint in the unpredictable world. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. You ready for your first home game? Can't can't be worse than your first two road games, can it? I mean, I'm ready for it. I just want to know if the Colts are ready for it. So we'll see. <laughs> Hopefully we uh, we brightened your day a little bit with some real talk on the Colts. Uh, for James Boyd, I'm Zach Kiefer. We have a lot to come later this week on The Athletic about where this team's at. It's not in a good place right now. We'll keep it real with you guys. We owe you that. And then we will be there Sunday at Lucas Oil for the home opener that everybody is highly anticipated. Patrick Mahomes is in town. So are the undefeated Chiefs. And we will check in with you guys next week. This is 1% better.